G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. The recent Royal Commission report into aged care repeatedly states we Australians should be ashamed of the treatment of our older people. And as you know, the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety delivered a disturbing final report based on a two-year inquiry with tales of abuse and neglect. And what we might be sensitive to is the fact that much of the aged care in Australia comes through Christian church-based providers. There have been calls for a complete overhaul in an inadequate system. The Prime Minister's promised that the May budget will respond to funding issues. Well, a follow-up conversation today with perspectives from an aged care chaplain who you will appreciate sees things differently to politicians, to administrators or even those nursing staff working on the front line. And your opportunity to have your say, we'll open our talkback lines very shortly. Our guest today is Ben Boland. He is an aged care chaplain. He's the co-author of a couple of booklets, Jesus Loves Me and Joy to the World, a part of the Hammond Care and Bible Society Faith for Life suite. He also writes and speaks about aged care ministry. I might say a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Ben Boland. Good to have you back on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's always a privilege to be with you. Ben, let's just start a little bit of talk about the Aged Care uh, Royal Commission report. And uh, it's a huge, huge report. Even the summary is over 100 pages long. Uh, it's hard to just sum up things in uh, in just a, a short little, uh, in a nutshell, but uh, your overall impression of the report. Uh, in one sentence, it basically says that aged care in Australia is a mess. And the reason it's a mess is that we as Australians haven't particularly cared about older people, um, and that has led to dreadful neglect, Um both in a fiscal sense, but also in a care sense. And the important thing, and I mentioned this in the introduction, is something that goes a little overlooked at times because perhaps people are being nice, uh, but perhaps people are putting aged care all into one basket. But I did mention in the introduction that much of the aged care in Australia comes through Christian church-based providers. Uh, That is the truth, isn't it? Yeah, that is accurate, Neil. And so when we've got a whole lot of church-based providers and the accusation that there are uh, dreadful tales of abuse and neglect, that is something that as Christian believers, uh, we might think uh, perhaps we need to hold our heads in shame. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Oh, I think as Australians, we need to be holding our heads in shame to start with. Um, but particularly as Christians, um, we hold a double shame in that sense that we are called to love our neighbours. And the Royal Commission makes it um, 
damningly clear that we have failed to do that. And this is an important part of our conversation today because, in some sense, when we think of aged care, when we think of a damning report from uh, the Royal Commission, that somehow or other the government is at fault, uh, that somehow or other it's everybody else's responsibility but mine. And, uh, and you like to bring in everyone when you say all Australians holding our heads, uh, you know, bowing our heads in shame. That's, uh, it's not an, that's not an overstatement. No, I don't, I don't believe it is. Um, I think we've got the government we voted for. Um, and more than that, we've had a government who, um, and irrespective of politics or left or right or up or down, we have representatives who responded to what we're passionate about. And our lack of passion for older people has led to neglect, um, underfunding, and, and ultimately abuse. Hey. You say we've got the government we voted for and perhaps it's more fair to say the governments that we have voted for perhaps over decades. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, yes, most definitely. I'm not talking about our current um, legislature any more than I am over the last decade or perhaps more than that, probably two or three decades. So, Ben, you say repent and lament uh, I mean, these are not words that we're hearing reported in mainstream media, and uh, we're not going to hear those apart from someone who works in this industry, this ministry, and you are an aged care chaplain. When you say repent and lament, who are you speaking to when you use those words? I think there's space for uh, um, all Australians, and I mean... It, this issue is bigger than Australia, I might add to, um, perhaps this is a good point to put in, um, the World Health Organisation has just report, um, released a global report on ageism and it basically says that 50% of the world population is ageist. Um, so it's not simply a, an Australian issue, but yeah, I think we as Australians and particularly we as Christians, um, how should our response, or what should our response be to injustice? What should our response be to neglect that amounts to abuse? Um, uh, as I read my Bible, when we've, when we've made mistakes and when we've stuffed up, if you'll bear the phrase, um, we are called to repent. Um, and when we see um, and we read the horrors that have occurred and have this horrible system that has facilitated those things happening, um, I can't think of a better word than lament. Um, I, in fact, I'm not sure that lament is even quite strong enough. Um, the Bible talks about when Israel's in exodus, in, sorry, in ex- exile, um, about them hanging up their harps and not even being able to sing in their grief. It was so, so, so powerful that the psalms weren't even quite strong enough and they had to be silent for a period. And I'm not sure that that's not where we should be at too. Isn't it interesting when we start to talk about the emotion that we ought to have on receiving a report like that? And when you say, I can't even think of words strong enough, repent and lament, the idea of weeping, sobbing, wailing, even some biblical images that uh, many of our listeners will be familiar with, uh, the idea that uh, those sorts of tears that ought to be shed 
over a report like this. Let me just keep on this for a few moments here before we move on, Ben. The idea of ageism and uh, ageism, and you say 50% of the whole world uh, seems to be ageist. Uh, Is this a sign of the times now? Because we've got baby boomers who are into retirement and older years, and there's a huge big bubble in all of that uh, of an ageing population. And all of a sudden now we're interested in age and age care, but maybe we haven't worried about that so much over the decades that have gone before. What are your thoughts for perhaps these changing demographics and now all of a sudden we're so much more interested in aged care? Yeah, I think there is has been an increase in the interest in aged care. Um, I think um, the boomers starting to come into the system um, is part of that, but I think more so um, it's many, most people who are in the boomer generation um, have either cared for or know or are caring for someone in this space. So it's not quite that the boomers are necessarily in age caring, at least in significant numbers yet. Um, that's going to have its own complications um, in and of itself. Um, but that that demographic is starting for it to be personal, I guess. Um, but yeah, the boomers coming through is going to be challenging. Um, the budget is 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 challenging as we have an ageing demographic. Um, as a chaplain, I'm really concerned that we're not really prepared for how to care for the Vietnam vets as we start to deal with um, boomers coming through too. So we've got a number of challenges that um, this is not a static situation. Um, each generation has its own challenges. Mindful too, even as you start to say just how complex things are. It is a large and it's a very complex system. And as you say, it's uh, it's not just people all lumped together and say, oh, you're all ageing because you've got uh, war veterans in there and uh, other complexities like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And there are special needs for different cultural groups in aged care. So that really does increase the complexity in the way we think about it, doesn't it? Yeah, look, um, if you know one old person, you know one older person. Um, And age is not a particularly good um, metric for measuring frailty. Um, You can be incredibly frail at 16, or you can be running marathons at 105. Um, So even trying to work out what age looks like and, and measuring that is challenging. Um, every person has a different story um, and that has its own issues Um, by the time you hit aged care and I'll put 85 as a magic number which it's not there you've experienced significant major losses Um, you've experienced significant trauma in your life Um, and again um, culturally and linguistically diverse groups makes that more challenging People tend to, so with dementia, over time tend to revert back to their first language. Um, and it may not simply be that they're going from English to Italian, uh, for example, but they're going back to the dialect of Naples. So it's not even the modern language, it's a dialect that may not be spoken anymore. Um, that makes it really challenging. Um, it's not unusual for people as they age to process traumas that they were unable to process um, at a younger stage. So 
it's not unusual for me to be tooling with people who are talking about historical child sexual abuse um, or trauma of war um, that's happened decades, often multiple multiple decades earlier. Um, but as their age, they're still trying to process that stuff. I think our primary focus in our conversation this hour, Ben, is going to be around this idea of repent and lament. And there are dreadful things to reflect on. But let me just take a moment to bring out what I think may be a positive in all of this. When I say that it's church-based providers providing the majority of aged care and the idea of, you know, love your neighbour as yourself Uh, Ought we be proud of the fact that in generations that have gone before, uh, leaders in church life have seen aged care as a priority and the fact that the majority of aged care in Australia is happening by church providers, this is something we can be proud of, even though we recognise there's inadequacies. What are your thoughts around the fact that there is such a a deep investment uh, that Christians have in aged care? Yeah, I think um, we should be thankful for it. Um, historically, um, I mean, the early church was known for its care for widows and orphans. So it, it's part of our, or it should be part of our DNA, uh, both as a church and as Christians. Um, and, yeah, um, many of the care providers have either Christian roots or remain Christian organisations. Um, and that is a great um, testament um, sad thing about that is that most of those are 50 plus years old um, and in the time I've been in the industry which is uh, we'll call it 13 years um, I've seen a number of Christian providers exit the system um, I'm not aware of any new Christian providers coming into the system Well it might not be attractive right now to think of coming into the system if you knew there was so much regulation you're about to be confronted with as the government addresses so many of the challenging issues in aged care. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you with us. The Friday edition of 2020, talking aged care today. And given that uh, there is an ageing population in Australia, every single one of us ought to be interested in what's happened. Of course, that report that was released uh, earlier this year into aged care, a damning report, uh, abuses and all sorts of things that were brought to light. Ben Boland is our guest. He is an aged care chaplain, so a different focus than what you might hear in other places today. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Ben, let me just bring you to uh, the idea, and uh, we, we'll come back and talk some more foundation stuff, but what we do now, because if we talk about this idea of repent and lament, if we include ourselves in the part of the problem we might be identifying, not just the government, not just the providers, what are your thinking? Uh, what are your thoughts for for listeners today about how we might be engaged in this? That's a great question, Neil. I think the starting point is that we actually need to engage, um, and that that's a really broad term. But I think we need to be broad in our response to that. I think we need to care enough about aged care to be praying about it. I think we need to be reviewing and self-auditing, if you will, how we care for the older people in our lives, in our families, um, but also in our communities. Uh, 
need to be thinking as our churches. What are we doing to to provide care for people who are over 65, over 85? Um, are we saying, oh, well, we run a 8 o'clock Sunday service and let some person who's semi-retired fiddle with something during the week? Or are we going to say this is actually real ministry and we're going to invest in it and prioritise it? Um, are we going to engage if our denomination um, runs an aged care facility or aged care system? Are we just going to say, oh, that's nice, we'll, we'll ignore that? Or are we going to say, no, we're going to take ownership of that and work out how can we work with you to make that the best system? How can we share Christ effectively in this space? With an ageing population, a whole new vista is opening up for Christian ministry and it's Christian ministry to our ageing population. Our talkback line opened 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts. A question you can respond to on Facebook. Do you think, or who do you think bears the responsibility for the poor treatment of the elderly in aged care? Government, the providers or the Australian people? You can find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call. Anne is in Labrador in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along. Hi. Thank you. Good morning to all, both of you. Um, listen, I used to work in aged care. I retired last year. Uh, on, and um, the thing I found, I was a cleaner, but the thing I found with it was the fact that as you got clients in who needed more and more care and they needed more care, the ratio of uh, nurses to, to carers um, wasn't adequate sometimes and they were rushed off their feet sometimes. And, and then you had situations where... it you know, things just happen and, and they couldn't get to them in time, you know, in different areas. So that's why I, I just think that, yeah, I know, I think we should repent. And I think the one I worked with is, was a pretty good nursing home. So it had, had pretty good aspects of it. But there were aspects of it where uh, the nurses were really rushed off their feet sometimes. And as I got older and uh, I got more stuff put on me in other areas as well. So, so it it's not just that the fact that sometimes I think it's financially and then getting other more people on the ground in the nursing homes to help them. And great thoughts there and coming out with this idea of the ratio of those staff who are attending to the needs of the clients, the residents in aged care. Sometimes there's a, a difference there that needs to be addressed. Your thoughts for Anne, Ben? Well, firstly, thank you, Anne, for your work in aged care. Um, particularly your work as a cleaner in that space. Um, it's a hard gig, and, and I, I love to hear someone so passionate. So thank you for that. Um, a few things in, in response. Um, look, staffing levels are, are, are the issue, um, by and large. Um, I'm not a particular fan of ratios per se, because it's very hard to work out what, my needs and the person who's next to me, when our needs are so diversely different that it's not as simple as one-to-one -one or something like that. But unequivocally, we need to be increasing the number of staff, um, which is functionally the amount of resources we put towards staffing levels in aged care. Um, I guess my other quick thing is it's not just... Um, when we talk about aged care, we're not just talking about residential care. Um, it's an issue in home care. It's an issue in respite centres. Um, in a whole heap of other spaces. But again, um, by and large, um, 
we would be in a much better space if we had better staffing numbers. We might be able to talk some more about uh, the financial imbalance as we go. But thank you so much, Anne, for engaging today. And uh, thank you, Ben, for honouring Anne, who's someone who was working in aged care. And sometimes people who are working in aged care, even if you're the cleaner, you do deserve some special acknowledgement. Let's take another call. Trish is on the line from Victor Harbour in South Australia. Hello, Trish. Welcome. Hello. Uh, I've been in aged care myself in time. And uh, also looking after my sister who was dying uh, at home. So I I just have some thoughts. Uh, I think the increase of regulations and paperwork is a frustration. And lack of funds means lack of staff. Fewer staff trying to fulfil all these regulations. Not only that, because you have few staff, you've got tremendous frustration, which boils over into haste and anger. And... uh, you know, it just is not possible with few staff to do all, fulfil all the regulations. Oh, Trish, uh, good thoughts there. Ben, your thoughts for Trish? Look, uh, again, thank you for working in the industry. Thank you for caring for your sister. That's a tough gig. And, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, ultimately, um, inadequate staff levels... Uh, leads to frustration, leads to staff burnout, leads to poor care outcomes for residents, um, whether they're residents at home or in a facility. Um, You're exactly right, Trish. Trish, thank you. Wonderful input today. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. You can also respond to that Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call from uh, Gruden, who is calling from Hamilton in Victoria. Hello, Gruden. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Just quickly, a very positive point. I'm an immigrant and come from South Africa and worked four years in the admin at a um, local uh, aged care and how many times did I walk the passages and think how beautiful this is coming from where I come from my dad was in an old aged care facility in Cape Town paid high, high, high money but what I saw in Hamilton was amazing um, in comparison to what they get, got even if they paid Megabucks. Gruden, wonderful to hear from you. Very quick response from Ben. I'm glad to hear good news, Ms. Gruden. Thank you. Um, I think most of our buildings now are very good. I think the facility spaces are bright and well lit. Um, And I'm glad we're doing better than South Africa might be doing. Um, But I still think we've got significant areas to improve, particularly Um, in staffing. Uh, Ben is with us, but Ben, let's continue to take calls. Let's hear from Valentina, who's calling in from Sydney. Hello, Valentina. Welcome along. Hello. Um, I work for an agency that provides um, staff to work in uh, facilities and help um, elderly people. And I'm shocked in some places... um, the way the staff that uh, resident in there, the, the people that work there die by die, they become so compliant and um, they don't care about the residents. It's shocking what I see sometimes. Uh, Valentina. But, um, you know, for me as an um, agency, I cannot 
force them to do better because I'm just working one day there, you know. Valentina, the idea that there might be staff who work there for a pay packet, it's just a job and not their passion. I think that's what you're touching on here. Ben Boland, what are your thoughts for Valentina? Look, Valentina, I've been in the industry for a while too, and yes, there are people who are like that. Um, Again, from my perspective, I think that's a case or that's directly related to our staffing levels. I've never seen someone who's come... I've never met anybody who's moved into aged care for the big bucks because it doesn't have big bucks, um, nor is it um, sexy, for want of a better phrase. Um, there's no huge prestige working in aged care. Um, but what I have also seen is people who come in with the best of intentions and over time um, wear out and get tired and get grumpy, for want of a better phrase, and yeah, um, do not provide the care that that they once did, um, and that's a terrible space. And I think part of that is we actually need to think about how we can train our staff and continue to help people keep, keep upskilling, um, but also how we can have enough staff that people can feel like they can achieve the job well and come in at the end of the shift saying, I've, I've done a great job. Thank you again for your work. Um, as an agency, it, it's really wonderful to have people who are able to fill shifts um, and to come in and, and be that ray of light, even in a facility that may not be as um, functional as we would like it to be. Valentina, thank you so much for your call. one 316 316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. And before we move on, uh, the idea that there are going to be people who are working in aged care, and it's just a job, it's just a pay packet, as you say, Ben, they uh, get they tire, uh, there's fatigue, uh, there's uh, this idea of getting a bit jaded, and yes, there's some behaviours undoubtedly uh, in the uh, way that you'd be working in some aged care that will cause some to be either defensive or even angry or uh, they, you know, all sorts of emotional roller coasters, no doubt. But I wonder, Ben, and here's a question for you: How much responsibility comes from the leaders? in each aged care facility to be able to pastorally care for the staff and make sure that staff are actually enjoying their job, seeing it as something of a calling that they have. Uh, is there something here that maybe is failing in, in the leadership in aged care facilities? That's a really good question, Neil. Um, I need to clarify, and this covers everything I've said today and other days, um, that this is me speaking as Ben Bolin, me speaking in regards to any um, organisation or on behalf of, etc., etc. Um, having said that, I think leadership is critical. Uh, and again, the Royal Commission identifies that too. The two big things it pushes are leadership and funding. Um, part of the challenge is um, I actually think facility managers, particularly in the residential care space, is one of the toughest gigs I've ever seen anybody have to do. Um, you've got a very limited resource pile. Um, you've got staff and residents and families who generally want more more hours of staff care um, with good reason. But you've also got the situation where if you kill the budget, um, then the next budget or either your facility will close down functionally. Um, so trying to stay that course 
um, and manage the, the budgetness of it, let alone provide um, good leadership and indeed compassionate care for staff, is a really tough gig. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Sheila, who's calling in from Beechworth in Victoria. Hello, Sheila. Welcome along. Good morning to you, Bert, and good morning to all your listeners. Sheila, Thank what are you your thoughts? My call. Um, I have a 97-year-old mother who's in care now. Uh, she was independent until she was 95, and she's in a local care home, which is, very, which is great, and she's cared for, etc., and I'm very happy with what's happening. I do have some issues, and they're very good about listening to them. I'm dealing with that. But I think what happens in these situations, the protection of the staff is very highly focused on. So in the protection of staff, sometimes the person's problem is not really addressed because you've got to keep your staff safe, etc., etc. So I know my mother's just been put onto, onto a drug because she's getting a bit edgy, because she's getting bored because of the lockdowns, you know, not, not having much to do. But um, she's being put on a drug, which I'm not happy about, but, um, but because they say they have to care for the staff to make sure that they're safe. My mother's not violent, but she does get a little bit verbal. So I think that's a problem as well. And I can understand you have to look after your staff and workplace safety and, and those sorts of things are important. But I think that creates a bit of a block. It is a whole new dimension, isn't it? Sheila, thank you so much for that insight. Ben, what are your thoughts for Sheila? Yeah, look, Sheila, I'm glad that you're generally happy with your care. And if you've got concerns about your medication, your mother's having or any other things, um, I'd encourage you strongly to keep talking to the facility. And if you are unhappy with that, to either kick it up, up the food chain within the organisation that's running that facility or you can um, put a complaint in to the um, aged care commission as well. So you, you do have pathways and that's important for you to hear but also for other people who hopefully are tuning in too to say that there are, um, are very clear and very good routes for you to take things up. Uh, your issue of how do you provide care and and also guard staff. It's a really, really great question, and and it is, and it is really um, a significant challenge. Um, as from a facility per sense or a, a staff per sense, um, every employer in Australia has a responsibility to provide staff care. Um, having said that, um, it can get complicated when you have um, a resident who desires clash with staff and again a lot of it does come back to staffing levels um, if you can have enough staff then I suspect we, and I, again I don't know your mum I haven't met her and all those things um, but with enough um, one-to-one attention she may be able to not need those medications having said that I've also um, seen situations where um, a person may not be aggressive um, but they are taking, or their care requires such a large amount of staff hours and staff time that other people lose care because we don't have enough staff hours to cover everything. Um, and that's a horrible situation to be in, in all sense of the word. I'm, I'm not sure that I've answered that very well. Does that help at all? Yeah, yeah, that's great. But Because I, I, I think that's a difficulty in aged care is 
to look after the, the, the people you're caring for, but also you have to protect your staff. And sometimes things are done to protect staff. And I think it becomes a bit of a grey area. I mean, I can see both sides of it. I'm not, you know, I'm not ridiculous about it all. But no, no. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a difficulty that aged care providers have to have to look at. I, I've just been able to give my care people some background on my mother's lifestyle and life mm. has been incredibly strange, which has now explained to them why my mother is behaving in certain ways. Yeah. So that's and been quite an insight, and I think that's probably something that needs to be done for a lot of people. Wonderful stuff. And information. Sheila, yeah. that's a great contribution. Ben, is it helpful when family members are able to brief the leaders in aged care and the staff around the special care requirements for their loved one? Unequivocally. Uh, the more we can know about someone, the better we can care for someone. Um, and that's true in any situation, but particularly in aged care, um, and particularly when people's cognition um, and communicative skills um, are declining, if family um, or friends or somehow we can find out more about them. Um, two examples come to mind. Um, I remember working at one facility and we had a staff member who, wanted, who was trying to take a, one of our gentlemen to the toilet and went to help him take his pants and the bloke misread that and, thumped, and punched the staff member in the head. Now, the staff member wasn't significantly injured, um, but a poor communication, it had been a poor communication thing. Now, if someone, someone randomly came up to me and tried to take my pants off, I suspect I'd probably respond reasonably um, briskly too. So communication there is really important. Another example I remember is dealing with a resident who was German um, and they were having significant issues with hygiene and trying to get her into the shower. Um, but her daughter was able to come and talk to him and explain that um, culturally bird bathing was much more culturally appropriate and being able to go with that approach allowed hygiene to happen and the resident was able to help with that as opposed to being, um, I hate the phrase resistive, but that's the phrase that's often used. Um, so the more we can know about someone, um, the better care we can provide and it is really important um, to share as much of that information and to capture as much of that um, to make sure we can provide appropriate care for people. Sheila, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to contribute to our conversation today. Uh, not too long remaining, in fact, but let me just reflect uh, one thought from Cathy, who's responded to our Facebook question. The question we're asking today, who do you think bears responsibility for the poor treatment of the elderly in aged care? Government, providers, or the Australian people. And uh, Cathy responds, she says, I believe from personal experience that the providers are at fault completely, but of course the offending person is definitely to be held accountable also. So there's this idea of, uh, you know, who do you say is responsible for mistreatment? Is it an individual or is it the whole uh uh, provider, uh, what are your thoughts for Kathy in uh, making that s sort of uh, statement? Um, it's very hard to comment without looking at a specific incident. Um, so these are uh, broad spectrum comments. Um, unequivocally, um, some providers have not provided effective leadership, and that has um, contributed to it. Um, 
I'm aware there have been occasions, and it's not normal, but there are occasions of a staff member behaving in a, a criminal manner, I'll put it that way, um, and unequivocally they need to be held account for that. Having said that, um, across both those things, um, our funding levels, um, which translates to our staffing levels, which is government set, but we're the ones who set the government. And again, I don't mean just our government now, I mean over time. So I would argue that um, there's more than enough guilt to go around. Mm. Uh, There's a response from Rachel on the Facebook question. Rachel says they all play a part. And Rachel, uh, clearly in Western Australia, says in WA they called the aged care workers multitask workers. Hence, they have to provide, assist personal care to the residents, prepare their breakfast, clean and do the laundry. I think it's selfish from the organisation. It's also about cutting the cost and saving money. Why don't the care workers concentrate on taking care of the elderlies, employ cleaners to do the cleaning and laundry, a cook to prepare their meals? (laughs) Any thoughts here for Rachel? Um, Yeah, universal staffing is one theory um, I've seen, again, Rachel. Um, Again, it depends on the context. I've seen spaces where it's worked really effectively, um, particularly in very small facilities. Um, It works very effectively. Having said that, um, the skill level people are expected, even, uh, even is probably the wrong word, but for personal carers in aged care is really challenging. Um, it's a physically demanding job with, in terms of um, helping people up and even with lifters and those things, pushing wheelchairs, pushing tub chairs. You're also expecting people to do um, personal cares, which uh, nobody wants to shower someone else or um, help toileting and those things. So that, that's challenging in and of itself. You're also living with a level of wounds, um, which complicates that, let alone the emotional, cultural engagement. And the ability to kick between working really hard and quickly as the cleaner or doing that quickly and then slowing down to let Mary shower herself, which may take slightly longer, but allows her to have a level of dignity, um, is really challenging. Um, so, yeah, I don't, because of the funding issues, providers have been working really hard to find some ways of making, making ends meet um, and... And how do you how do you cover a double bed with a single sheet um, is a real issue for us. All right, there are always juggling issues when it comes to the budget and the provision of staff to cover all of those bases. Time for one more call. Let's take one more call from John, who is in Perth. Hello, John. Welcome. Um, uh, thanks very much for taking my call. I just wanted to ask one of the big questions, which perhaps haven't been dealt with on the program, and that is. Um, aside from those um, aged, uh, you know, the people who have reached a stage where they need special care uh, and don't have families, why uh, does Ben, well, what does Ben have to say about, um, you know, us as an Australian community returning to the biblical model of families looking after their older people? Appreciate his comments. Thanks. Wonderful thought there, John. Uh, ben, uh, families uh, looking after the elderly, return to 
what I imagine we can say is a biblical model. But when you've got a culture that doesn't have a specific uh, aged care that comes from government or larger providers, uh, what are your thoughts here for, uh, for John? Yeah, thank you, John. That's a great question. Yes, um, as Christians, um, and I'm thinking particularly that Paul passage of Paul where he says we have a responsibility to care for our families first, we have um, a biblical mandate to provide care for our immediate families or for our families. I also think we actually have a mandate more generally in the terms of love your neighbour to care for all older people, so not just our biological families or indeed even just our church families. Um, there are two um, practical challenges, for want of a phrase, um, we face in that space. The first is just one of geography. Um, so I'm, I'm living in Stanthorpe these days. Um, my grandmother died two years ago. She was in Tamworth. That's four and a half hours away. Um, at that stage, um, and at various stages, I've had there's four of us siblings. We've had two or more of us living overseas. Um, so it does get very hard in terms of geography. Now, having said that, there's lots of things you can do from a distance to be engaging. Phone calls, gifts, um, there's a whole pile of those things. But um, our geographical spread does make it challenging um, to provide care. I think the other thing that's significant, and again, um, my father-in-law died last year. Um, my mother-in-law's a nurse. My wife's a nurse. Um, and But even having nurses in the family, um, there can come a point where you can't provide specialised enough medical care and or there is a need for respite from that care so that you can be um, the husband or the wife or the son or the daughter, not just the caregiver, so I think in an ideal world, it actually needs to be an end or, or perhaps both. Um, but unequivocally, we do have a mandate to care for our neighbour, care for our family in a church sense, and care for our family in a biological sense. That comes from Scripture, and it's really important that we do care about both our people in a one-to-one, my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, my whoever sense, but I also think um, we have a responsibility in the broader sense too, um, in terms of advocacy, in terms of our engagement with our local member, um, particularly on a federal level, aged care in Australia is federally funded, to say, I care about aged care. It affects how I vote. Okay. Um, well... That's important. But also um, even in our churches too, having a chat to our church leadership and saying, both in a local and in a denominational sense, what are we doing about aged care? Um, how can we do this better? Um, so there's both um, broad spectrum and um, specific care for specific family members, John. But thank you again for asking a great question. Thank you so much to John from Perth. And now running very short of time. And just to bring us all into the picture here, because it's very easy, isn't it, to blame the government, to, bl- to blame the aged care providers. But, Ben, you've brought every one of us, families of ageing Australians and those who are in churches into the picture and saying we all have a responsibility here. 
uh, we have a responsibility at the ballot box because at the beginning of our conversation we started off saying, well, we get the governments that we vote for and uh, and that has happened over generations and got to a point where aged care provision is now inadequate. So uh, there's an important responsibility there looking at the government policies before we cast a vote at the next election. Uh, this idea of making that personal contribution of uh, not just blaming everybody else for the aged care but actually getting involved ourselves. Uh, the idea of participating as a church Uh, If you've got a group who want to be involved in aged care to actually take an active participation, Uh, there's something special in here that brings us all individually into the picture. And, And Ben, you've expressed that lament, that idea of repent and lament, and that's actually aimed at every single one of us, not just the big providers or the government. Yeah, very much so. Well... I want to just thank you so much, Ben Boland, for your great insights through this hour, taking up a different perspective on how we look at aged care and how we look at the future, because the future is changing dramatically and more and more people are growing older and will be expectant of care into their elder years. And there's something there is very special and a significant responsibility for Christian believers. Let me point people to how they could connect with you, Ben, and it's not especially easy, but if you want to get a hold of Ben's books, Jesus Loves Me and Joy to the World, Uh, Wonderful resources there if you're involved at all, if there's someone in your family or in your community that's growing older and into aged care, uh, you could get those through Hammond Care or through the Bible Society, part of the Faith for Life suite. You can also see Ben on YouTube and uh, the Jesus Love in Aged Care If you Google YouTube, Jesus Love in Aged Care, Ben Boland, you'll be able to see Ben in action. Uh, You can also follow Ben at LinkedIn and you can get the Jesus Loves Me book, of course, as I mentioned, Hammond Care and the Bible Society. Ben, great insights once again today. I want to thank you so much for sharing these thoughts and uh, your heart with listeners today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's always a great privilege to be with you. Um, Thank you, listeners. I hope you've been challenged and perhaps equipped thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au